The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Why did I ask that question? What fuels us? Well, of course, there's the last two years. I suspect you had similar experiences to me the last couple of years. But there's something else. I have this sense when I walk around in the world that there is a lot of weariness, something that's above and beyond our chronic sense of concern about, I don't know, climate change or polarized politics or all of those intractable injustices around us all the time, the poverty, the racism. Ugh. And then every time a headline announces a new act of brutality or some fatal act of neglect, I find myself saying, what? Really? Really? One more thing? And then I feel that deep sigh of weariness come over me. Those headlines are every day, and so is this weariness. So there's a need for something, fuel, inspiration maybe, hope, but something that will keep us going. And I carry that with me all the time. If you happen to catch me at a potluck or a picnic or mm, at a church someplace giving a sermon and you see my sleeves are rolled up, you're going to catch a glimpse of the fool whose essence keeps me going and who puts a little pep in my step now and then. Almost every day, someone will point to my arm and say, is that, wait, did I see that? Is that, wait a minute, don't tell me, I know, I know. Ooh, who is it, I'll get it. And then there's like this burst of a smile and a twinkle in the eye and they always say, that's Don Quixote. And I say, yes, you got it right, absolutely. It's Don Quixote, the knight errant who inspires us to dream the impossible dream. Oh, you're gonna have that song with you all day long. <laughs> My little gift to you, an earworm for you. Yeah, he's that mildly insane Spanish landholder who was made up or maybe he was just made famous by Don Miguel de Cervantes in the 1600s. He's that guy who went on wild adventures with his field hand, Sancho Panza, and he reminds us that so many of our worst and most terrifying enemies are really just windmills and not monsters at all. But listen, lean in a little bit. I'm going to tell you what Don Quixote's real secret superpower is. He sees the best in everyone, and he won't let them be less than that best self. Think about it. To Sancho, his field hand, who says, I can't be your squire. I don't know anything about horses. In fact, I'm a little afraid of them. And Quixote says, ah, nonsense. 
You are brave and you are valiant and horses take one look at you and they know you're trustworthy and you'll never let them down. So our little friend Sancho sort of squares his shoulders, pulls himself up, and he goes off adventuring with Quixote. The two of them, going across the landscape, come across an inn and an innkeeper, and Quixote takes this as a great castle with a great lord. Not only is the innkeeper in his mind a great lord, but he's a generous and kind man who's well known for being just and very good to all the people around him. Now that innkeeper, who hadn't paid his kitchen staff or the stable hands in quite some time, decides that he might try and be a little more fair, so he pays some of the wages that he owes his staff, and he tells the kitchen folks, don't water down the beer quite so much, we'll let people have a good time tonight. Quixote is so impressed with this innkeeper that he says, will you knight me? Will you make me a knight? And the innkeeper agrees to because he likes being that guy. And who doesn't? You can make somebody into a knight and a great hero just by touching him on the shoulder. That's a good deal. If you're familiar with the musical, The Man of La Mancha, you also know about this dynamic that happens between Quixote and Aldonza. Aldonza is a kitchen maid who sells sex in order to maintain at least a little bit of control over her body and her life. But Quixote doesn't see her, as other people do, as a slut or a sinner. No, he sees her as a lady, the Lady Dulcinea. Oh, but this, this gift is both a good and a curse. Aldonza, amongst all the characters in this story, has more to lose than anybody else if she enters into this vision of Quixotes. The conditions of her life are wretched. They are violent. And his flowery language threatens her ability to distance herself from the brutality that she faces every day. In the midst of his fantasy of her, she risks losing her ability to say, I just don't care what happens to me. Do what you will. To move even slightly closer to Quixote's vision of her is to risk her ability to survive psychologically and physically. In this, Aldonza and Quixote inspire me. Seeing in ourselves seeing in others, seeing in you, the best of who we can be, not the worst or the least, is risky. It takes courage. And once you do it, you can't go back. You can't go back to being less than or seeing other people as less than. In the Fool's Mission Statement, we say, we see the light, courage, intelligence, strength, and creativity of the people we encounter. And it's true, when we meet people in a sanctuary, in the Tenderloin, on a campus someplace, we don't look for their woundedness or their brokenness. God knows there are enough people around who can do that with great ease. No, we look for one another's best selves and we assume that's who they, who we are. Quixote might be viewed as a romantic figure, but we faithful fools, we are not romantic. 
Like Aldonza, we cannot ignore the brutality that surrounds us or our own worst moments. We know that we might not ever be a gracious lady or a just and kind landlord of a great castle. Sometimes we are just that hard-scrabbling innkeeper who isn't fair to his staff or his guests. Some days, our best self isn't something we want to brag about. It's just the best we can manage. But what do you do on days like that when you are so weary, when everything is going just in directions you can't imagine, when you realize that you have fallen short of your best self and you would like to be something better? This is why I like this image of Quixote. This image that I have on my arm, it's not the usual one that you see, where Quixote and Sancho are bravely approaching some windmill, ready to take on the menacing monster. No, take a look. This Quixote is tired. His lance is not propped, hopefully, upright. No, it's really heavy and he can barely keep the tip of it off the ground. Rosanante, his trusty steed, is showing his age too. Knobbly knees and all. Bony rump even. This Quixote, this Quixote is weary. But mind you, he is not defeated. I don't know that this version of Quixote ever really appears in Cervantes' novel. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. Everything that I've told you about Sancho and the innkeeper and Aldunza exists primarily in my mind. You aren't entirely wrong if you think I'm making it all up. But I hope you will forgive me this literary license when you realize how much I need Quixote to have this superpower. I need him to see the best in me, even in my worst moments, because this is how I manage to live with all the things that I have left undone and the moments when I've fallen short. When I can be honest and say, I am weary, and this is all that I can manage right now, I feel very much like this Quixote, the one on my own. <coughs> he is the one who longs to keep going even when his arms are too weary. This is not the Don Quixote I would have chosen in my youth or even 10 years ago when I was still filled with the sense that counting successes was the me measure of my life. That Quixote had a lance lightly balanced on his toes and a somewhat jaunty steed, ready for adventure, a windmill up ahead and Sancho bravely at his side. No, this Quixote on my arms reminds me of a conversation I had with Kay Jorgensen, co-founder of The Fools with Carmen. Years ago, when I first met Kay, I asked her, how do you keep going in the face of failure? She leaned forward and she said, Sam, what, what do you mean by failure? I don't know, I said, maybe somebody leaves a program and goes back to the streets. Maybe they overdose and die. Kay thought about the question again. When our eyes met, she said, Sam, that's not failure. That's heartache. That's just what happens when you care about someone. Kay looked weary in that moment, <clears throat> just as I feel weary today. 
But here's the thing about the Quixote who sees your best self and won't let you be any less than that. Your best self, my best self, is not always cheerful and peppy. Sometimes you just have to be your best weary self. This Quixote reminds me to be, see the best in others and to even see Quixote's best self too, to see the knight errant in this weary rider on that old, slow-moving, but trustworthy steed. The world needs people like us to do the work of justice, to keep visible the people and stories that are at risk for being lost forever and being erased, to seek justice when the world says justice is no more than an impossible dream. We can't give up and give in to weariness. But what we can do is be weary and keep going, imperfectly and awkwardly, even when we look more like fools than heroes. Being our best selves, <clears throat> even our weary best selves, makes it easier to do what needs to be done and to be okay with what has yet to be done. This Quixote reminds us that heartache isn't the same thing as failure. And you can still try when you feel too weary. To dream the impossible dream To fight the unbeatable foe to bear with unbearable sorrow to run where the brave dare not go to right the unrightable wrong to love pure and chaste from afar to try when your arms are too weary to reach the unreachable star. This is my quest to follow that star. No matter how hopeless, no matter how far, to fight for the right without question or pause. To be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause. And I know if I'll only be true to this glorious quest, that my heart will lie peaceful and calm when I'm laid to my rest. And the world will be better for this That one man, scorned and covered with scars Still strove with his last sums of courage To reach the
Marcy, David, Laura, Stephen, Cheryl, Cecilia, Ed, Carolyn, Stone, Ramu, Kim, Mercedes, Jimena, Odin, Zeus, Jesse, Andrea, James. Sounds a little like romper room, doesn't it? <laughs> but when Sam proposed the question for the service today, what fuels us fools? What fuels me as a faithful fool? I began to have these litany of names arise. Monique, Julia, Dennis, George, Addie, John, Sue, Bob, Jackie. The list is infinite. People have always fueled me because I care about people. I care about what have to, people have to live through and navigate in this world. I care that people have a safe and dignified place to be and don't feel alone in this world. I care that all of us know respectful relationships with friends who care about us. Andrea Jorgensen once said, sometimes home is the relationship we hold. Responsibility and accountability fuel me. I'm a human being, and I know pain and grief and my human limitations, and I know I am cared about and cared for. I have what I need and more. Not because I've been lucky or I've been blessed, but because the systems, the laws, and the institutions for decades and centuries have been to my advantage at the expense of the majority of people on this planet. I was fueled when I learned when I lived and worked in Nicaragua in the 1990s that the U.S. was 6% of the world's population and we were consuming more than 50% of the world's resources. We can look around us, some of us, and think that we're the norm, that there's only a relatively few people who don't have what they need, who are impoverished or disadvantaged in our world, but that is not accurate. We who have what we need and more are really a relatively small group of people in this whole world. And anger fuels me. The anger is deep. I see the consequences of people living in mass poverty in Nicaragua, in Venezuela, in the tenderloin of San Francisco. I see the corruption, the injustices, the theologies, the racism, the everyday practices that keep them there.
I know the anger of being a woman, being considered naive, dismissed, excluded because of my gender. Having my response to Sam's question begin with people is not surprising because it is the people who lead me to the places, to the situations, to the institutions, to the ways of thinking, and to systems that both can be life-enhancing and also hurt and do prolonged damage, that exclude and dismiss individuals and whole groups of people. And my relationships are what fool and fuel and fool and sustain me. My faithfulness to the relationships call me to pay attention, to care about, to look further than the surface of something, to engage and to listen, to hear and understand, to be enraged and to do something and to say something. And tremendously important for this here fool is hope and humor. If I'm to remain in the struggle for a lifetime, then I need to believe that personal and social change is possible. This little nose here, which some of you have, remind me that I need to laugh and to share laughter. There are many days when my joy and laughter tank feels a little bit low, and I'm always grateful when I'm reminded how a simple little hearty laugh can quickly fill my tank. Amazing how this little nose can cause a whole universal shift. And as Ken Fight says in his book, Foolish Wisdom, Fools live in hope, and if they are going to work in a situation that seems hopeless, they need a sense of folly. I welcome you into follyhood. <laughs>